Don Mockholtz, and you're listening to Looking Up with Don. This is the Looking Up with Don podcast, episode number 133, for the week of July 20th, 2022. The related website for this podcast is donmockholz.com. That is spelled D-O-N-M-A-C-H-H-O-L-Z.com, two H's. What's up in the sky this week? As our week begins on Wednesday, July 20th, the moon is half full in the morning sky and rising after midnight. By next Tuesday, July 26, the moon will be a thin crescent in our morning sky. Between now and then, it passes by a few planets. On July 21st, the moon passes by Mars. From Southeast Asia, the moon will pass in front of Mars. This is known as an occultation. Twelve hours after that, the moon passes by the planet Uranus. Then the moon passes north of Venus on July 25th. This might make a cool picture even with a cell phone. As the moon gets out of the sky, this is a good week and next week too, to watch the Delta Aquarius meteor shower. These meteors appear to radiate from the constellation Aquarius and are best seen in the morning hours just before dawn. That is indicated on Podcast 33, Map 2. The southern hemisphere is favored, but you can still see the meteors from the northern hemisphere. The peak of the shower is Friday, July 29th through Saturday, July 30th, but the peak for this meteor shower is broad, not sharp, And you can see about the same rate of meteors for a few days in a row. It is best to find a dark location from which to observe these meteors and to let your eyes get adapted to the dark, like minimize your cell phone activity. Look off to the side of where the radiant is located, perhaps 45 degrees to one side or the other, and 45 degrees high in the sky. Center your vision in that area, but like all of us, let your gaze wander around through the sky while facing this direction. You can expect to see about 20 meteors per hour at the meteor shower's peak. This may be the summer's best meteor shower because the next one, the Perseids, which peak on about August 12th, will have major moon interference from a nearly full moon. The Delta Aquarius meteor shower is caused by a parent comet, and this one seems to be periodic comet Mockholtz 1, also known as 96P-Mockholtz, which I discovered in 1986. This comet orbits the sun every 5.3 years, and it will be back in six months. 
The comet seems to be responsible for eight meteor showers, most of them minor. It has also produced a couple of groups of comets. It is part of something known as the Mockholtz Complex. I gave my Zoom talk about visual comet hunting to the Tri-Valley Stargazers last week. Thank you to those who tuned in to listen. Will you be able to see the International Space Station this week, which for our purposes begins Wednesday, July 20th through Tuesday, July 26th? It depends upon where you are located. Whenever you are watching the ISS, also look to see if there are any other spacecraft leading it or following it. They will be dimmer than the ISS, and they would be supply ships on the way to it or coming home from it. This week, we have four zones. All you need to know is your latitude. North of 63 degrees north, you will not see the ISS this week. And a rather large equatorial zone between 37 degrees north and 17 degrees south. No ISS this week. It is in the evening sky between 37 and 63 degrees north. You will have it in your evening sky for at least part of the week. And between 17 and 60 degrees south, it will be in your morning sky for at least part of the week. To determine where it will be in your sky, go to the website heavens-above.com, enter your location, then click on ISS. Comet 2017 K2 Pan Stars is visible in our evening sky and will remain so for a couple more months. It's presently about 170 million miles from us. That's 270 million kilometers. It will not get any closer to us, but it continues to close in on the sun, getting closest in December of this year. The comet shows a tail, actually two with a fainter one at nearly right angles to the first. Comet C-2017 K2 Panstars is plotted on Podcast 133, Maps 1 and 2, which you can get for free from my website, donmockholtz.com. For a more detailed map, go to the heavens-above.com website and click on Comets. So, what are some of the best objects to observe this week? Last week, I suggested this is a good season for holding a star party, and it certainly is. But if you were to hold a star party this week or next, what does the playlist look like? Here's a sample of what I would show and the reasons why. This list is based on the one we used at our dark sky public star parties in Northern California. I do not expect you to remember all these objects. I certainly would not be able to do that. So I have all of these objects written down on podcast 133 observing list, which you can get from my website 
donmockles.com. Before you begin, before it gets dark at night, go to heavens-above.com and see if the International Space Station or any other interesting satellites will be visible that night. Also see if any of the Starlink trains of satellites will be passing through the sky. And if they are, halt the star party just before they appear and get everyone's attention on these objects. So we start with the bright stars. Your guests have seen them for their whole life, so now they get to see them through a telescope. I like to show a blue star, a red star, and a yellow or orange star and explain the different temperatures of the stars. We begin with Arcturus, nearly overhead. We tell our guest it is 37 light years away, 25 times larger than our sun, four times more solar mass than our sun, and 115 times more luminous. It is an orange or yellow star. These descriptions that I give you for each object, either have them in front of you or, since it will be dark, kind of memorize them so that you can tell your guest what it is they are looking at. We don't just want them to look through a telescope and see a bunch of stars. We wish to explain to them what it is they're actually seeing. Now, after Arcturus, next we show a blue star, which would be a hot star. Our go-to object here is a star Vega. It's one of the bluest stars you'll ever see. It's located 26 light years away. It's 58 times more luminous than our sun, three times larger. I often tell guests that in the movie Contact, jo the Jodie Foster character visited this star. I like to show both a near star and a far star. For the near star, I show Altair, 16 light years away, one and a half times the size of our sun and nine times brighter. It spins 160 miles per second at the equator, one rotation in six and a half hours. And for the far distant star, I show Deneb, a superstar at least 1,600 light years away, which is about 100 times farther away than Altair. It's 60,000 times brighter than our sun and 60 times bigger than our sun. Now we move to a red giant. People have heard of red giants, and we're going to show them one. We show them Antares. It's 520 light years away. Its a diameter is about 600 million miles and it's 9,000 times brighter than our sun. After we've seen these bright stars, we then move to double stars, and we have a few here. We begin with Polaris, the North Star. We tell people it's the 49th brightest star in the sky, 800 light years away, and we should be able to also see the Companion, a ninth magnitude star, 18 arc seconds away. See, everybody's heard of the North Star, but few have ever seen it through a telescope, and people do appreciate seeing it. Next is a double star in Cygnus, Alberial. 
magnitudes 3.1 and 5.1, 34 arc seconds apart, and 385 light years away. We show this usually in a refractor telescope, or if we use a reflector, perhaps about a 6-inch reflector at about 100 magnification. Then we show another double star that people have heard about, and this one's in the Big Dipper. It's Alcar and Mizar. You can see that it's two stars with the unaided eye, but through the telescope, the bright one is also a double star, and it's 88 light years away. Now, if we have time and a number of telescopes, we'll put one on each of these other objects. Three more double stars, Epsilon Lyra, known as the double-double. I would often find someone who has good optics and increase the magnification to about 300 so they could see all four of those stars in Epsilon Lyra. Another double star we could show would be Corcori and then also Beta Scorpii, which has two stars of quite unequal brightness. Next, we turn to some of the showcase objects, big and bright and looking good through most telescopes. First is M13, the globular cluster. Now, it looks good in a big telescope, not so good in a smaller telescope. It's 25,000 light years away. It's 100,000 stars and 160 light years across. Our next object is M57, the ring nebula. And for this one, we crank up the magnification so people can see it looks like a donut. It's 1,500 light years away and a half a light year across. Another nebula we show is M27, the Dumbbell Nebula. This is at about the same distance, 2,000 light years away, and it's up to 8 light years across. Now, at this point, the sky is fairly dark, and we go to a few galaxies. Sometimes we show M51. We always had one of our... A uh, host would want uh, his telescope pointed to M51, so we go ahead and do that. But it only looks good under dark sky and with a large telescope. Easier to show, and these are the ones we would usually show, would be M63, which is a spiral galaxy. And it's about 20 million light years away. And we tell them this is the most distant object you'll probably see tonight. Another one, though, with a high surface brightness is M94. It's 14 million light years away. As for M81 and M82, now they look good through most telescopes, but they might be too low in the sky for some good viewing. Then we head south for a couple of open star clusters, M6, which is about 1,600 light years away and 20 light years across with 120 stars. And then we hop over, over to M7, which is also an open cluster. It's only half the distance away. That's why it appears larger. And it has fewer stars at about 80. Now, these last two objects, these open clusters, usually I would be using, um, I, I usually assign these two to myself. I had some smaller telescopes at the star party, and I would put them in a 6-inch reflector at about 50 power. You can even show those two open star clusters in binoculars. Then we go over to M11, 
another open cluster at 6,000 light years away and 21 light years across. It has at least 600 stars. This looks best on a large telescope with fairly high magnification. If you show this on a small telescope, it doesn't look quite as good. And if there is still time, we show M17, a diffuse nebula, also known as a Swan Nebula. A few other objects we show if we have time is M8, known as the Lagoon Nebula, M20, the Trifid Nebula, and M22, a globular cluster. So if we were to hold a star party this week or next week, this would be a pretty good list of the top objects visible in the nighttime sky. Kind of a sampler of almost everything up there. And don't forget, by this time, Saturn should be up and maybe even Jupiter. So don't let your guests leave until they see those planets. To recap the podcast, what's up this coming night? See the Delta Aquarian meteor shower this week and next week in the morning sky. Get out in the evening and see Comet Panstars. And work your way through the July observing list, something you can do even by yourself without showing them to other people. You have been listening to Looking Up with Don, podcast episode number 133 for July 20th, 2022. I'm Don Mockholtz. Once again, the related website for this podcast is donmockholtz.com. That is spelled D-O-N-M-A-C-H-H-O-L-Z dot com, two H's. You can contact me at dontheastronomer at gmail.com. Once again, that is dontheastronomer, all one word, at gmail.com. God willing and pod willing, I'll be back next week for another episode of Looking Up with Don. We will discuss what's up in the sky. All that and more. Thank you for listening. See the sky this week. I'll see you next week.